It's like a pilgrimage going there. You like ascend on this town in the middle of nowhere. You're just driving on these six foot wide hairpin turn roads all the way there. Like, when am I going to get there? It's very weird and disconcerting. But then there's just this baseball oasis in the middle of nowhere, and it just makes the journey like that much more, more of a destination. It's it's every baseball fan needs to be there. It's like a church. It's just amazing how you go in, particularly the hall, and it's just everyone is quiet and just like in awe of this history. It's a remarkable place. What's up, Bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode number 95 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I sat down with Peter Nagel from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Peter lives mere blocks away from what is now known as American Family Field, and he's a big-time Brewers fan. We touch on how his baseball fandom, like mine, was really cemented during that 1998 home run race, what makes the Northwoods League so incredible, and why the Brewers play jump around during ball games in Milwaukee. We also discuss an epic 10-week trip that Peter took with his best friend Eric over the summer of 2007 when the two were fresh out of grad school. They visited all 30 parks plus some baseball landmarks, including the Hall of Fame and Field of Dreams, driving over 16,000 miles in a yellow Ford Focus hatchback. This interview was a ton of fun. I loved feeling like I was along for the ride with Peter and Eric, so I want to jump straight into it. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with Peter Nagel. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today on the Baseball Bucket List. How are things on this beautiful opening day? in Milwaukee up there. Uh, it is really cold, but I'll be watching inside. So it's, it's good. Happy opening day. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Excited to have you. Are the Brewers home today or will they be visiting somewhere? They are in Chicago today. Okay. So. Um, the weather looks pretty bad tomorrow. Today is just going to be cold. So I think they should just get, I think they should get the game in today. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So it looks, it's cloudy here today. I'm wondering if uh, down in Arlington, they're going to have the roof open or closed. Usually it's open on opening day because of uh, the flyover, obviously, but it'll be curious yeah. to see what happens today. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to the home opener on Monday, actually. Very cool. So it'll probably yeah. be closed up, though, don't you think? Yes, okay. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then let's just get started. Give us the origin story as to how you became a fan of baseball. It was kind of a slow burn for me, honestly. Um, you know, I wasn't one of these kids where my parents took me to a game when I was five and I caught a foul ball and I was hooked, you know. I had, I played a lot of different sports growing up. I probably didn't even start Little League till I was 10 or 11. I was horrible at all of them. I tried. <laughs> probably some of my earliest baseball memories are my parents used to take my brother and I on these like ballpark trips when we were younger, probably around that age, like 10, 11, 12, 13. We went to the old Bush Stadium one year. We went to Synergy in Cincinnati one year, Metrodome. We went out to Coors Field by train one year. That was really cool. Oh, that's neat. But I would say I wasn't, baseball really wasn't like my favorite sport until around like the home run chase of 98. That was the first time I was super excited about baseball, like every day, tuning in to see if McGuire or Sosa hit a home run. That that was what did it for me. Yeah. And then 
kind of the next progression from there is in college, I met my best friend, Eric, and I, I had never met someone before who had that kind of passion and love of the game and knew so much about it. He, you know, meeting him, he's, he's the guy I went on my ballpark trip with later, but that after, after we became friends is kind of when I got to the level of obsession I am now, I would say. <laughs> I have a similar story to that, um, to how that home run chase affected me. You know, that was, I was a fan before then, but that summer was absolutely wild and crazy. And Sammy was my guy and I wanted <laughs> him to win the race. He didn't, but um, I just remember the same thing, like every day waking up going, is he going to do it today? Is he going to do it today? It it does, it hooks you in it. It sucks you in. And even though the next season, I mean, they never got remotely close again, but man, what a wild summer and just a, it really stuck with me. Yeah, that's crazy. It was hard rooting for a Cub and a Cardinal as a Brewer fan, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think everyone was kind of a fan that summer. Yeah. So the next question I usually ask is favorite team, but you've, you've kind of answered that already. I see, you know, obviously an audio only podcast, but your Zoom background here is, um, I believe it's now called American Family Field. Most people will still refer to it as Miller Park, but... Here also, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you live in the city? I mean, are you are you getting to a handful of games each year? How big of a role does Brewers baseball play in your life? Yeah, sure. My wife and I and our family bought a house um, not that far from the ballpark, about like fall of 2019, September of 2019. So it's kind of funny. We had couple kids and we moved in like very late in the season so we didn't get to go to a game that year then 2020 happened obviously mm-hmm. and then 2021 we had our second child so that year was kind of a wash too so we we lived here almost like two years before we <laughs> within walking distance of a park literally and before we could go to a game here but you know three kids Younger days, I would get to a lot of games that, you know, I used to have a ticket package with my family. We get to 20 plus games a year and I would, I was going to like 40 or 50 ball games total a year back then. Yeah. Uh, but we, we still get to a good number of brewer games, but it's easier to take the kids to like a minor league or an independent league game where they can run around. A little easier on the pocketbook too. I have a question and maybe you know the answer and maybe you don't. But when I was in Milwaukee, they played jump around, I think during like the seventh inning stretch or something and the stands went wild and crazy and I couldn't for the life of me figure out what that connection was. Do you have any idea? Yeah. What time of year were you here? It was early. It was like around this time. I mean, it was first week of the season, maybe. Okay. That's the song they play in the fourth quarter before a Badger football games. Uh, um, maybe it's other Badger sports. I don't know. But that's their like football equivalent of take me out to the ball game is to play jump around. So that's why I asked if you were here in September. Yeah, that would make sense. But <laughs> I was surrounded by college kids and they were all going nuts. So it's all becoming a little more clear to me now. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. there we have some local insight to as to why that was going on. It's there like you go. Yep. here in Texas, they'll play the Cotton Eye Joe after, um, after take me out to the ball game, and everybody goes crazy for that too. <laughs> yep. Deep in the heart of Texas. That's right. That one too. Yep. So 
you mentioned Eric, your your best friend from college. You guys met. He was a huge baseball fan. It kind of rubbed off on you, it sounds like. I know you guys took this wild and crazy epic baseball adventure in the summer of 2007. I think it spanned something like two and a half months or some something crazy <laughs> like that. Yeah. You, you got to tell us about that. How did it, I mean, whose idea was it? How did it come about? How did you find 10 weeks in your life to, to do like the life dream of any baseball fan? I asked Eric about this earlier and about kind of the, we, you know, it's hard for us to remember the origins of how, you know, we certainly both remember the planning process and everything, but I, I don't remember at the, at this time, like who came up with the idea or where the seed came from, but you know, that's, we've been huge baseball fans since the day we met and that's it, it pretty early in our friendship, it became a, Hey, this biz would be cool. And then after we graduated in 04, I went to, we both went to different schools for graduate school. It just worked out at that time in 2007 that we'd both be, I think he graduated like six months earlier, but we were both done with school in that summer and it was a perfect time. Like, let's do it this summer before we have to drudge through 40 years of working. <laughs> um, so we, we spent the better part of like three years saving as much as we could. And yeah, we that spring, March of that year, we holed up at my dad's house for a weekend and got, we had, that was 2007. So, you know, dial up internet and things were different back then. So it took, took quite a while, but we got big paper calendars out, like the desktop ones. And oh, we yeah. wrote down every single team's home date from like June 15th through whatever, the end of the year. And we we just parsed through it and found the most efficient route we could. And, and that was kind of that. That's awesome. I love so many things about that. One, the way you just told that story, I'm kind of envisioning like a, you know, like a detective working a, a murder case with the, <laughs> you know, the, the things up on the wall with the strings, like connecting the dots and planning your trip. And then I think it's so cool that the two of you recognized that this was going to be perhaps your best shot in the span of your life to do something this amazing and so cool that you guys actually made it happen. You know, I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things that, that people struggle with is like, yeah, it'd be really cool if we could do this, but you know, recognizing, okay, this is my chance to do it. Like, let's go and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had, I went to uh, Ohio for grad school and I, I worked in DC for a while and Eric visited me a few times and we did little kind of like mini trips to ballparks around the area when he'd visit. And I think that kind of was probably the seed and the nexus of helping us kind of get to this bigger point. I don't understand that when people want to do these as like fast as possible, you know, that's probably what your point is probably why, like we don't have that kind of time to do 10 weeks. Let's just get crank it out. But we knew we were taking in the summer and this is our one shot. So we kind of drew it out as long as we could. We stopped at minor league parks. We went to Cooperstown, Field of Dreams. We weren't trying to get places like as fast as possible. If, if we tried not to drive more than like four, six hours in a day and we'd make a stop in the middle. It's a great way to see the country. It's also, I mean, you you hit all 30 parks that that year in that 10 week span all 30 major league parks you added in some minor league 
you got the the major baseball landmarks of Cooperstown, Field of Dreams. So it's almost though, it's almost as if you put, you know, a baseball bucket list into one summer. And we uh, sure did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the, it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. So tell us, you know, is there is there anything, maybe a story or an experience from that trip that kind of sticks out? you know, as maybe a surprise, like something that you were really caught off guard by or anything like that? Sure. You mentioned seeing the country. That was kind of a nice sidebar of the trip. You you realize when you're seeing that much of the country, we drove over 16,000 miles. Wow. That it's just an amazing way to see the country. There There were certainly some cities we were in for like just a game and we left, but we were in a lot of cities for 24 hours and, you know, Getting to see the city, you know, drive through the Rocky Mountains, the Pacific Northwest, the Pacific Coast Highway. There's just, you realize when you're on the road, like how big the country really is and how much there is to see. And we, we, we didn't get to do it as much on that trip, but we've taken a lot of trips since then. And we always make a point to try to see the areas we're in and like take advantage of that. So that would be kind of the biggest surprise, I would say. You know, certainly there were park individual parks that were we were not expecting to be nice and vice versa (laughs) that 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 kind of stuff but seeing the country part was awesome yeah i've done a handful of road trips through you know certain like let's call them quadrants of the country Mm -hmm. and i'm always caught so off guard by how much variation there is in like the climates and the the topography of the u.s as as a singular country and it's just really incredible and I love hearing when people can kind of parlay like a love of a sport or something into taking in so much more about the the country's history and all of the the variety it has to offer. So that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. You said you put 16,000 miles on, on the car. Was that all one car? And was it like a car that belonged to you guys? Or was it rentals? Were there some flights involved? Like No, it was all driving. Yeah, we called it Yeller. It was a yellow car. It was really easy. I have several pictures of us from like the top floor of a stadium where I would, I could find my car in the seat of the parking lot and took a picture of it. (laughs) It's a little focus hatchback that got us all the way around the country. It was pretty, pretty reliable car. We we had a few times where it wouldn't start or we got towed, but other than that, it, it made it. It was your car? My car, yeah. Wow. Man. I love one, that. One lesson learned to anyone doing that is pack light, because we did not. I often lament about how much gas mileage we lost with lugging, <laughs> like an unnecessary duffel bag of clothes and like three bags of charcoal in the trunk for 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lesson. I, I struggle with that every time I'm going anywhere. You know, I, I just cannot help but like pack a full suitcase, so... If it was if it was a car trip, I for sure would it would be packed, filled to the gills, um, with you know all this unnecessary stuff. So, yeah. And you said oh seven, so in my mind, I'm just you know envisioning you guys with your Motorola razors or something, taking photos of all the ballparks. But did you did you travel with a digital camera? I had a real camera. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Good. I don't think I think you probably both had flip phones back then. Yeah. But yeah, 07. So we had like a, like a physical Atlas, you know, like the, you know, nowadays, if you do it, you can just map the park and like, oh, 
there's something cool over there. I'll make a stop and then easily get back to where you're going. No, like we would have to, if it was any city we were staying for more than a day, we'd, we'd stop and get like a map, like at the visitor center or like train station or something. So we knew where we were going. Cause if we had deviated from all from like the map quest directions, we printed out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Map quest. That's still a thing. I don't know. Man, what a that's so crazy because it doesn't seem like that was that long ago, but you're absolutely right. Like if you stop to think about how much easier it is to do everything now, you know, you I you, can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. You just get in the car and you're like, I want to go here and off you go. And and Eric was zero help with navigating and he will laugh when he hears that, but he knows it's true. He he I was a very I'm the planner guy. You you know, usually what happens is I'll come up with an idea and like a framework of something. And then Eric has a knack for like figuring out all the nuts and bolts or like, how can we cram as much ball as possible into this trip? He's like the, the guy who brings it home, but he was zero help. It was like, Hey, the light, I see light towers over there. Drive that way. But there was one, one of the, the one section of driving I remember was we're driving from Atlanta to Memphis, I think. And we made a wrong turn and we ended up right by Rookwood Field. A happy accident. We, we, yeah, we yeah. got we got off at the wrong exit and we realized that that was right there and we, we couldn't get in. It was like chained, chained up. I don't think they were playing the Rookwood Classic yet back then. So it was just not being used. We, we walked around and snuck in through a hole in the fence and stuff for a while. But then after that, euphoria wore off. We're like, I don't know where the hell the freeway is. <laughs> and it took us a while to find uh, directions back on. But now you could just be like, oh, here's my phone. This is where I'm going. That's true. But also, you wouldn't have gone to see Rickwood that way. You know, you wouldn't have ended That's up in the, in the wrong spot at the right time. So um, that's cool. You mentioned, you know, just a little while ago that you're, it sounds like a few blocks from, from the Brewers ballpark there. I'm so afraid to call mm-hmm. it Miller Park or American <laughs> Family. I feel like I'm going to get judged. <laughs> but also that you, you tend to enjoy taking ki- your kids to minor leagues or indie, indie games. Obviously the Brewers have a special place in your heart, but if you had to pick between a major league game or a minor league game, ballpark, fans, anything like that. Do you have like a clear favorite in your mind? Would Is there a, a way that you would rather spend a day? Um, I think it, you know, baseball is so experiential. That's the thing I love about it the most. You know, you could be at the ballpark for three hours and not watch a pitch and have the best time of your life. So I guess my answer would be, it depends like why I'm going or who I'm going with, you know, Eric and I will see any game anywhere. If I'm going like myself, you know, or with my wife, we love going to Brewers games. We love the atmosphere. Going with the kids, it's easier to go to minor league, independent league games because there's just more space for them to run around. But I would say the Brewers is always top. But after that, I would, I always love going to like the minor league ball fields after that is my probably my next next choice we have a couple in wisconsin but we have a lot of college summer teams Mm -hmm. in this part of the country the northwoods league is huge here that's my favorite league there's seven or eight teams of an hour of us so those are the kind of games we love to go to yeah so i i want to back up because i know that 
there's a point to be made about that that 10 week trip you took you took with Eric and that is that along the way you somehow managed to also raise money for the Habitat for Humanity is that right We did yeah tell us about that Sure um if I'm being completely transparent I think our initial reasons were a little selfish you know we wanted we wanted to contact each team and like we contacted hotels in the city and different things and we wanted to just not sound like two hobos who were peddling <laughs> for money. So we we thought if we were involved with some sort of an organization or a, or a business that it would be more legitimate. We quickly moved on from like a sponsorship to like let's do something good while we're while we're doing this. And I was a little bit, but Eric more so was really involved with the Milwaukee chapter of Habitat when we were in college. And back then the Around the time we were in school, there was a campaign they worked on where they kind of calculated that the approximate enrollment at the school was about the same as the cost of a house to build uh, a habitat home. So their their whole thing was, if everyone here gave a dollar, we could build a house. So we applied that to our trip. We made signs and we had donation box. And we sometimes some of the teams would allow us to raise money inside, mostly the minor league teams, but. For legal reasons, the major league teams usually were very supportive, but they or they'd give us tickets, but we couldn't pedal inside. Mm. But we had signs that said like spare a dollar, give a for for habitat. We had signs that had like the average attendance. So if you parse that out where everyone gave a dollar, we could build a house. And we raised uh, I think fifteen hundred dollars. That's awesome. So we'd yeah, we'd get to the park a couple hours before the game. And we'd stand, you know, we'd usually look for scalpers or people selling things because we knew that they knew the rules of where they could be and not be. And that's where we'd set up and try to, you know, ask people for donations. And like I said, sometimes it was in the park, but usually we're, we were just right outside, especially in like the urban ballparks. And right. we'd pack up camp, you know, 10, 15 minutes before first pitch and head in. The way you kind of brought in the average attendance and like if everybody gave a buck like imagine how much of a difference it could make I, I really like that I think that there's um probably a lot of opportunity to do a lot of good just you know kind of thinking small but big like that we tried we tried to never make it like a chore we yeah. didn't want it to be that we didn't want to do it because we had to so we wanted to pick something that really meant something to us and we're, we're He's not in architecture anymore, but that's what we were in school for. And that, that kind of hit home for us, that organization. I, I love that. What a cool story. It's kind of inspiring. It's making my wheels turn a little bit on the, <laughs> some things that might be possible down the line. So on this trip, you did all 30 ballparks. You did a bunch of minor leagues. But I'm looking at your baseball bucket list profile, and on your ballpark map, you've got 154 different ballparks penned. I know you you probably hit a, a good chunk of those in that in that 2007 trip. But kind of back to what we were discussing with the country, exploring the country, is there a region where if someone's got a couple weeks off in the summer, not ten, but they're like, I want to maximize my, you know, my ballpark exploration. 
where would you send them? Is there like a specific kind of geographical location in the country that you think is best suited? Sure. I think most people who do what we do and chase ballparks would probably say North Carolina. Yeah. And I know a lot of your guests have. Um, we did that. We did a trip like that uh, in 2019. We'd always wanted to go see the Appy League, and thankfully we got there before everything changed with the affiliates and stuff. But we set up camp in Asheville, and we there's eight gazillion teams within <laughs> two hours of Asheville. Right. Um, so that that's definitely the I think the area with the highest concentration of teams. You know, aside from going to like a spring training or something. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Is there a, a hidden gem that kind of comes to mind, maybe like a, a spot where there's a cluster of a couple of teams? You know, I know the Pacific Northwest has has a handful, um, obviously California for the professional teams. Mm-hmm. Anything like that? I think the Northwoods League is a hidden gem. Like I said before, I love going to those games and a lot of them, if not most, most of them are uh, former minor league parks. They're, they're teams that parks that used to host either independent league teams or minor league teams way back in the day. A lot of them are older. Um, they're mostly in Wisconsin and Minnesota, but they're kind of spreading their footprint more and more now. But I, I love the summer, the summer college league. And that that's, I don't think you think of that kind of stuff when you're not from the Midwest. So that's what I would say is kind of a hidden gem is right in my own backyard. Yeah, that's lucky. That's fortunate. Mm-hmm. Having been to the number of ballparks that you you have, is there a kind of game day routine or, you know, is there something you've got to do at every park, something you want to make sure you see at every park, something to buy or eat or drink? Eric and I still try to take like a trip a year. Um, there's been years we couldn't, but that, that's still a goal. So when him and I go, we usually make a like a weekend out of it where we do a trip planned around like a major league park and then try to see miners or indie around that. But we always try to leave ourselves time to see things in the city. Um, we, we went to your neck of the woods last uh, fall. We went to globe life. Um, so as an example, we did a couple games there and then we did riders field. Oh yeah. Um, a day. Yeah. And, but then we spent a day, like almost an entire day in Dallas. We saw the, the JFK Memorial and walked around town. We we always try to see something historical or architectural or na- you know a natural beauty or something in in the park in the in the city without just seeing the game. That's the right way to do it, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think that that's obviously baseball is a good excuse to get to a certain place, but there's so much more there and. Yeah, downtown Dallas is is crazy. Uh, the the book depository, where a, a very cool museum there, full of a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of history. Um, yeah, what do you think of Globe Life and Riders Field? Riders Field was one of the best times I've had at a minor league game. We had tickets in that river thing in yes. the outfield. That was nuts. Yeah, it was nuts mostly because everyone was in either a suite or the river, so there were like nine people in the stands. <laughs> so it didn't look like anyone was there, but the announced attendance was, you know, six, seven thousand people. Globe Life, I think, is probably the best dome stadium I've been in. Okay, and I I liked it better than AmFam. It's I would say middle of the pack in my in my rankings, but. It's it's one of the better dome ones, I would say. It was better than I was expecting. Yeah, 
Did you ever get out here when the when they were playing across the street at the ballpark in Arlington? Yep. We were there on our 07 trip. Oh, yeah, of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So as a as a local kind of I I had an attachment to that ballpark. So the I don't give Globe Life probably the fair shake that it deserves, but I agree. I mean, it's nice. Talk to me in August when I'm actually at a game and, you know, not sweltering inside the the club there. Is there something that comes to mind if I ask you what your favorite baseball memory is? Well, the easy answer is is our trip. I don't think that would ever be topped, but um, I'm starting to do those with my daughter now. Those are a lot of a lot of fun and going to be some good memories. I took her on her first one a couple of years ago. We just went to see a local team, but we spent the night and it was it was a lot of fun. But like I said, Eric and I do do a couple a trip a year every every year, and we we've had some really fun. Well, since then too, we went to the World Baseball Classic in Toronto. Oh, very forever cool. ago. Whenever whenever they played there. Even just a couple of years ago, we went to, we just went back to Cooperstown. Um, we were planning on going to Globe Life and it was, you know, still kind of in the height of the pandemic. And we just wanted to do something a little, you know, more contained and not in a big crowd of people. And we hadn't seen each other in a couple of years at that point. And it was just so nice to get together and just do something semi baseball related, even if it was just going back to Cooperstown. It was really nice to just hang out for a little bit. Yeah. Cooperstown is one I've only been one time, but, you know, from what I understand, it changes every time you're there, too. You know, there's such a rotation of artifacts and the exhibits kind of get yeah shifted around. So I imagine it's probably one of those places that just never gets old. No, it's it's like a pilgrimage going there. It You like ascend on this town in the middle of nowhere. It's just... We 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 stayed that that weekend. We stayed by like Lake George, which is up upstate New York, and you're just driving on these six foot wide hairpin turn roads all the way there. <laughs> like, when am I going to get there? It's very weird and disconcerting. But then there's just this baseball oasis in the middle of nowhere, and it just makes the journey like that much more more of a destination. Yeah, that's so right. I'm I'm just recalling. My dad and I took our trip to Cooperstown in, in 2008, so just a year behind you guys. And that was like a two-week trip, and I thought that was a long time. But we, we drove from the city up to Cooperstown, and uh, of course we're listening to, I think it was the Nationals on on broadcast the whole way. And it's just so, man, it's just one of my favorite memories like ever, you know? I can't I yeah. can't recall why or anything like that but it's just so picturesque in my head it's it's every baseball fan needs to go there it's it's like a church it's it's just amazing how you go in particularly the hall and it's just everyone is quiet and just like in awe of this history yeah it's it's a remarkable place yeah definitely is definitely is so someone might put that on their bucket list if uh if they're listening and they haven't been there yet and you've done so many different things. You've seen so many different ballparks, but what's the one thing that you still have to do? The place you got to get to the thing you got to see, what is it? Um, I've heard a lot of your listeners say the Alaska summer league. That's so 
that's what was cool to hear since I didn't know many people knew about that. <laughs> and I've heard like eight other people on your show give that answer. Um, I've always wanted to go to the Midnight Sun game. So that that's a big one. And seeing baseball in Japan, that's 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 a huge one. I I knew I had several friends that worked at separate times in their lives as English teachers in Japan, and I'm regretful that I never visited them <laughs> when I had the chance to have a free interpreter dragging me around Japan. Yeah, but I'll I'll get there someday. But other than that, you know, I'm not. I'm more on the experiences side. You know, going to growing to a World Series would be great or whatever. And I've seen a no hitter. Throw, you know, all those things are would be awesome. But I I want to my bucket list is things I can control. I guess is what I would say. I'm more interested in just seeing as many parks as I can. And yeah. Did you say you have seen a, a no hitter? I have. Where was that? Um, my wife and I were in uh, L.A area for a wedding eight years ago and we saw um jake arietta's no hitter at dodger stadium oh man my wife my wife knows enough about me now that if we're going anywhere between march and october we're seeing a game so we stayed like a day longer to go to this random it was either a sunday or a monday night game at dodger stadium and you know obviously really (laughs) glad we did we saw we saw that no hitter yeah, I don't know how many Dodgers fans actually saw it because most of them were probably already in their car driving back home. But it was a great game. Yeah, you're so right. You know, there's there's a handful of things you can control, and then there are those like it's almost like there's a tiered bucket list now in exactly. my own mind. It's like, yeah, I want to do these things. I can buy the ticket. I can be there for that. And then every other time, every time I walk into a ballpark, I'm like, is this the day? And then there's a hit or two, you know, two hits. And I'm like, okay, well now we can relax a little bit and just (laughs) enjoy the game as normal. But, um, that's pretty cool. That's neat. I think, I think our like second to last game on our trip, we saw a no hitter, like one out short of a no hitter. Oh man! And we just, we were just thinking the whole time how awesome it would be. Like if the trip ended with that, Yeah, it didn't end up being a no hitter because it was Scott Baker and he's horrible, but, um, (laughs) But it was really cool. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's those guys that you just like never expect to throw a no-no who somehow just like dig deep within their souls and it's, you know, the biggest accomplishment of their whole life. And Oh, yeah. Uh, they're they're not in baseball two years later. Yeah. Or they're playing the Rays who are like the <laughs> single most no-hit team. I know that's not their, I know that's not right, but it seems like every year they're, they're no-hit. Yeah. So. All right. If if someone wants to keep up with you and they want to follow along, I know, I mean, you're still hitting a lot of parks. Maybe you and Eric are going to document the next trip. First of all, is there a next trip on the horizon? We're planning to go to the Arizona Fall League this fall. That's another one that's been on my bucket list forever. I love the spring training by, but it's just basically spring training with all prospects. And nobody goes except scouts and parents. So I'm really excited to go to that. That's what we're planning for this fall. I love that. That's such a like non-traditional answer. I've I've I can't can't recall who it was, but someone said that the um, Arizona Fall League is the best kept secret in all of baseball. So I believe that. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a good trip for sure. But let's say someone wants to follow along with your ballpark journeys. They want to kind of 
see what you get into next. Is there a place online that they can keep up with you? Yeah. Um, I am not on social media unless you want to see my resume on LinkedIn, but uh, we keep a blog. It's uh, houses, Eric and Peter built dot blogspot.com. And it's Eric with a K. Um, we write all of our ballpark. That's where we documented our whole original tour. And since then, anytime he or I go to a park, we write a review on there and, you know, we have our own little ranking system. We post photos and talk, talk about their, the experience at the park and I'll randomly write on there too about just things going on in baseball, but it's mostly like a place where we keep all of our travels documented and I still write on it. Very cool. Pretty frequently. And of course uh, they can find you on baseball bucket list because you have a, a very well built out profile there and it's um, a lot of ballparks to, to look into, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I wanted to get that uh, up there before we talked. So yeah, I was exploring it, so um, that was that was neat. But Peter, I've had just an absolute blast talking with you. I can't thank you enough for the time. I know that um, you know today is a, a special day for more than one reason. But we've got our our baseball back finally. We made it through the dark winter, and uh, I hope the Brewers do incredibly well this year, and that there's a lot of great baseball in both our futures for this season. Yeah, same to you. Go race and. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to Peter Nagel for joining us today and sharing those memories and stories. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to baseballbucketlist.com slash podcast and fill out an application there. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. While you're there, make sure to spend some time checking out the site. Sign up for a free membership. Build your own baseball bucket list pen your ballpark visits, and connect with other fans. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.